you did say in our last episodes that Star Wars has already been in Fortnite. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know. That's Surprise! Really... <laughs> wow. Um, hmm. You know, that being said, I don't think Palpatine wouldn't play Fortnite. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a battle porg. And this week, we hyperspace jump into the Star Wars sequel movies. Before we say pew while firing our lasers, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, we watched the first six Star Wars films. Um, and my understanding is that we pretty much liked them. I mean, the prequels aren't perfect by any means, but like they were, they were something. Yeah. So I re-listened to the episodes that we did talking about those movies today. Funny thing, you did call us watching the sequel trilogy a year from then, which you got yeah. close. It's been ten months. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So pretty good prediction. And then the other thing is, I did say that when we watched the original trilogy that I just couldn't understand how Star Wars blew up into the cultural behemoth that it is today. And I think I get it a little bit more now only because I like all six of those movies much better in hindsight, just after like time has hazed over all the wild shit they pulled. I now look back upon them with fondness in my heart. Yeah, uh, distance does make the heart grow fonder, and I think that is also going to be true for the three movies that we watched for today's episode. Layla, have you participated in any of the discourse surrounding the Star Wars sequel films? I do not participate in discourse. I (laughs) I really try not to. I have watched closer to the movie's release. I did watch a couple of, like, videos about it just out of curiosity because I had seen episodes seven and eight. Um, as I've told you multiple times, on an airplane, so, like, I didn't remember much. Um, But, honestly, I forgot most of it. I went in pretty blank. Um, I know you mentioned in your notes that you probably took in a little bit too much content before going in to to watch this with an open heart. Um, I mean, that's definitely true of Nine. Um, But, yeah, like, I've watched these movies, at least Seven and Eight. You know, I own both of those on DVD and Blu-ray, respectively. Um, and I've watched them, you know, you know, multiple times, and I definitely watched videos defending them uh, all from 2015 up until 2019, and then I watched um, everybody tearing down Nine. So, like, I really cannot come to this with a completely, like, open mind and an unfiltered perspective. Um, so that is going to color our conversation. Um, so you're probably going to hear a lot of thoughts that you've seen in videos by people like, I don't know, Quentin Reviews and Jenny Nicholson and, you know, Reddit forums that I was looking at, uh, back in, back in 2019 and 2017. But, um, yeah, um, 
Layla, do you want to break down the plots of these three extremely long movies? So while I was re-listening to um, episodes, uh, that podcast we did about episodes four through six, I was able to summarize those movies in less than a minute, um, which struck me because it's not possible here. <clears throat> no. Um, the new trilogy covers a new trio. Ray, a force-sensitive scavenger, Poe, a resistance pilot, and Finn, a former stormtrooper. With Luke Skywalker missing, the first movie covers the trio converging, sort of, and getting uh, the BB-8 droid to the resistance. In order to survive long enough to find him, uh, Ray, Finn, and Poe, along with the freshly reunited Han Solo and Leia Organa, have to destroy the Death Star XL Starkiller base. Um, Opposing them is the First Order, with Supreme Leader Snoke in the lead, and then Han and Leia's son, Kylo Ren, slash Ben Solo, reporting to him as his protege. Starkiller base is destroyed, but Kylo Ren manages to kill his father. Uh, while this allows him to report back to the Supreme Leader to complete his training, uh, back at the Resistance base, R2 awakens and allows Rey to pursue Luke Skywalker and begin hers. Um, the second movie sees the Resistance on what seems like a dead-end retreat course. Rey is training with Luke and simultaneously force-timing with Kylo Ren, uh, trying to turn him back to the light side. Finn and the mechanic, Rose Tico, are off trying to stop the First Order from tracking them through light speed, and Poe is learning how to be a leader and trying to keep the Resistance afloat. Kylo Ren kills Snoke and becomes Supreme Leader in his stead, though he blames Snoke's death on Rey. This puts him at odds with Hux, um, who is his general, focusing on his personal revenge against Luke and Rey while Hux sees only the greater mission of the First Order. Everyone's past culminate in a final battle where, with their backs pressed against the wall, the Resistance comes together to defend themselves long enough to fight another day, in part thanks to Luke Skywalker, who gives the rest of his life in one final show of force ha, to face down the nephew he failed, and once thought about striking down out of fear for his power. Now, everything I just said, forget it. Um, just wipe it from your brain. Delete it. Doesn't matter. In episode 9, Palpatine announces he's back via podcast. We find out that Rey is actually Palpatine's granddaughter. The trio must get over their interpersonal workplace difficulties to find one of two Sith Wayfinders and meet Palpatine on his hidden world. Leia dies trying to reach Kylo Ren one last time, just as Rey stabs him with his own lightsaber. There's one big final battle on the hidden world, Exegol, where Rey must face down her granddad, first in his plot to turn her to the new Empress, and then after he leeches the life energy from Rey and a still-alive Kylo Ren's connection to restore himself um, in his plan then to re-become the Emperor. Uh, the struggling resistance gets help from a support fleet from the rest of the galaxy, led by Lando, Ray uh, and back on the light side, Kylo Ren kiss um, as he dies, and then the war is won. Yep, that was certainly a summary of the plots of the sequels. Um, mm -hmm. Let's just quick, quick up or down on on these on these films. Uh, uh, you go first. Uh, so I think seven's like fine. I think it's mm -hmm. think it's you know it's okay. It's not my favorite, but it's pretty good. Um, eight is like maybe my favorite Star Wars movie ever. Um, nine is maybe my least favorite Star Wars movie ever. Um, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm I'm up up down. That's that's yeah. I think mm -hmm. that's probably true for everyone. I don't think that's an, an uncommon sentiment. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we will certainly get into that as we talk about the characters. Um, let's let's talk about our trio. Uh, Finn, Ray, and Poe. 
Yes, let's. Um, let's start with Finn, because I feel like he's the most straightforward um, of this. I really like Finn. Finn, I think, is good. I think of all the the new characters, I think Finn is the most interesting. Because um, he's not, like, clearly playing as a... Like, like being played as, as as a representative of the original trio, right? You can say Ray is Luke. You can say that uh, Poe is is Han Solo, but Finn isn't really Leia, right? Finn is a completely different archetype. He is, is a stormtrooper who is, you know, abandoned his, you know, his, he was able to break out of his programming, abandoned the First Order, and is trying to find his place in the world. And I think, you know, that is already a pretty interesting archetype in the Star Wars universe, like giving some sort of complexity to who the stormtroopers are. Um, that's really good. John Boyega really gives his all and is like gives a lot of energy, like a lot of like fun kids movie energy to these films in in a way that they desperately need. Um, and like, yeah, I I really like Finn. Um, and I think I think we're all pretty. Uh, I I think a lot of the criticisms of like how especially Episode Seven was marketed because there was like there's a bit where Finn gets the blue lightsaber, Luke's lightsaber, and like fights Kylo Ren, and all of the marketing showed that. But the the, the twist was that Ray becomes the real Jedi. Um, and like I I think that is disappointing because like we don't get to see you know Finn do much after that, which is which is a shame. Yeah, I'm definitely disappointed in Finn's arc in the way I was disappointed about Leia and Padme's, which is, like, so much potential, and then, like, n- to what end? Maybe he is more like uh, <laughs> Leia and Padme than than I thought. I guess that's a good point. Yeah, um, could could have been something. Um, yeah. Um, Poe. Uh, so, in your notes... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> You said uh, Poe is an honorary Jersey Italian. No, I will not elaborate on this. And I do think you should elaborate. Okay, that's fair. Um, There is something in Poe's mannerisms um, and in the way he talks to people. And uh, that does remind me of somebody from a Jersey Italian deli trying to hit on me while making my sandwich. There is something. It's a listen. It's a very specific aesthetic. But I did live with a Jersey Italian for a couple of years, so I am very familiar with the vibe, and it just matches. Um, I said, I don't know. I stand by my my opinion. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I have only interacted with very few uh, Jersey Italians, um, so I, I can't really make that kind of a definitive statement, but... Um, as far as, you know, Poe Dameron goes, I think he's also pretty fun. Uh, I do think we get a lot of, like, you know, Han Solo-esque, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a hotshot pilot and I'm really cool. Um, but also, you know, the, the chemistry between him and John, John Boyega is, is really fun and good. And we, we do love to see it. I, I think their, their friendship, um, was really great and, and an anchoring, um, you know, relationship in these films, uh, at least in the first two. I don't know how much they got in the third unfortunately but they, they a uh, hug was... one singular hug yeah yeah it's not great um but you know there is a lot of d- conversation about how they actually wanted the, them to have like a romance which i think would have been very interesting um of course disney would never allow that but um you know uh, they they really especially that that first movie with them escaping and like having fun and like getting out of the the you know uh, it was a i don't know star destroyer or whatever like that that's a really fun way to watch two people interact with each other and i I just really love the way they played off each other yeah um i 
it to what I recall, John Boyega and Oscar Isaac did want them to have a bit of a romance, which um, the way Oscar Isaac was undressing John Boyega with his eyes in the first two movies, I would have bought it. Um, but we talked about some of like Finn's wasted potential. A lot of it was that the episodes seven, sorry, eight and nine got really caught up in giving him a heterosexual girlfriend so that he didn't seem too gay. Same thing with Oscar Isaac, who got a heterosexual girlfriend in episode nine. Um, it felt forced. It was odd. Um, we'll talk about some of the side character choices, because I do objectively like Jana. Rostika's probably my favorite character in all of these movies. And, um, I don't, Zori was barely there, but, you know, shout out to Zori. That wasn't her fault. Um, but yeah, so, so that, um... It's a shame, but, you know, it's it, it, you mentioned that John Boyega has a lot of fun, and, like, he does in the first two movies. You can kind of, well, I don't know about you, but I felt like in the third one, uh, the cast largely said, fuck it, and just, yeah. you know, Oscar Isaac kept making his eyes, because, fuck it, whatever, what are they going to do, fire him in the middle of production of Star yeah. Wars 9? I don't think yeah. so. Um, I mean, and famously, like, after these movies came out, like, John Boyega just, just, like, trashed Star Wars, which I think is very funny, and I'm proud of him for. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I hope, I hope he's doing well in his career. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, he's, he's wonderful, and I, you know, him and Kelly Marie Tran really drew some, some short sticks in terms of fandom reaction. Um, now, Ray, I, who is Ray to you? That's such an interesting question because I don't think the movies know either who Ray is, right? I, for me, you know, all of the most important characterization will come down to episode eight, like, because I think the questions that that movie is asking are the most interesting. So for me, Ray is always, you know, the the person who came from nothing um, and was able to be a Jedi despite the fact that, you know, her family had no connections. Um, I think that message in, in episode eight is very powerful and like that the concept that like, you know, you can be anyone and you can still be a part of this grand narrative of of Jedi who are fighting for good, uh, ostensibly. That that is the most thing the the most uh important characterization of Rey. Um, I think the scavenger stuff really does help because it, it is like, oh, this is a person who's lived in the Star Wars universe and, you know, ha- has some interesting ideas and like, you know, there's a big the, the first wave of discourse around when um, episode seven came out um, was just like, oh, we'll raise a Mary Sue because, you know, she can fight and she can fly and she can use the force. Um, and I was just like, well, that's all horse shit. Uh, because if you see in episode four, Luke uh, does all that shit too. And he's like just a farmer who is a big whiny baby. <laughs> um, so like, you know, I, I don't really want to dunk on any characterization of Rey, but like, I, I always think that that Jedi Rey is my favorite. Um, yeah, so I broke Rey down into like three, um, I guess, phases. Um, there's Scavenger Rey, who kind of turns into Rose Tico in the sense that like, after Rose get, gets introduced, Rey doesn't really get to do any of the Scavenger stuff anymore. Like, she seems still knowledgeable with the Falcon, which is where she got to show off most of that prowess. But a lot of those moments get designated then to Rose and Finn, which I liked. Like, I didn't really have a problem with that. Then you have Jedi Ray in episode eight, who is very much struggling with a sense of belonging. And like you said, also my favorite part. And then episode nine introduces to me um, 
I'm going to just call her Ray Patine, Ray Palpatine. Um, it's. I mean, <laughs> this reveal, we can't, I don't want to turn this just into a conversation about how nine cannibalized eight, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it just, it just takes everything that eight does. And it's just like, nope, that's all, that's all not true. And also because Star Wars is only about a single family, we have to make her have a famous uh, relative. So we're going to give her the Emperor as her, you know, her her, her lineage descends from the Emperor. And that's going to matter for some reason. Yeah, it's... it's um, I think the most... I also don't want to ha- hammer on it too much. I'm actually not very interested in talking about Episode Nine, like, for the most part, just because it's... Honestly, it's mostly just kind of a boring movie. It's, like, stunningly well-made, but not much happens. Um, and uh, the, the the one thing I will say that I think kind of defined Nine for me was in Episode 8, Kylo Ren is the one that tells Rey, your parents were no one. And in Episode 9, Kylo Ren is like, no one that you'd know. And then, you know, turns it around to say they were Palpatines, which, hey, who... Um, who fucked Palpatine? So, who, who gave a son to Palpatine? So, to bring in some EU lore, I mean, there is like a line of, of like Star Wars stories where Palpatine has a lot of clones. So there are some theories about how like he he cloned himself and like that son, you know, became Ray's Ray's father. But like, I mean, you can't you cannot introduce this crusty ass old man and then be like, so he has progeny. Uh, and not get the, you know, leading question, which is like, so, so who did it? Who did the dirty, um, with, with the emperor? Um, but you know, in, in Sheev's defense, he was a lot hotter back in the day before Mace Windu liquefied his face. Um, so I would not disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Know. He was charming. You know, I could, I get it. Next, the original trio. Um, yeah, I mean... They they were in the movies. Uh, again, I think Luke's characterization in Eight is may, my my favorite. Um, even though a lot of people are like, "Oh no, Luke Skywalker would never turn his back on on the Jedi. He would never, you know, raise his lightsaber against his his nephew." Like, eh, I don't know. Maybe it, it. I don't think that's an interesting conversation. But um, you know, Harrison Ford does you know try very hard. Um, I'm I'm glad he was there you know and i'm also glad that he got to die like he wanted to in seven um and you know leia was there as well uh who i think you know she gets the best you know characterization and and, and interactions especially with poe in in eight and we see her like trying to pass the mantle of leader of the rebellion on um and and i kind of like her interactions with uh with poe she and oscar isaac have good chemistry um and then you know famously um Carrie Fisher died, you know, after this movie was filmed. So like they had to use uh replacement footage uh in nine and you know, it just you you can you can tell no, nothing works really with her character, which is really sad. Um so yeah, I'm I'm glad they all got invited back. I really am. But I mean, this is just the the whole undercurrent of, you know, what this episode is gonna be about is me being like I think Star Wars has to move beyond the Skywalkers and, you know, the franchise's inability to do that drives me up a fucking wall. 
Yeah, you're not the only one who feels that way that I've heard, and I also feel that way. Um, I struggle with their characterization because um, we'll talk about this more later, but these movies don't really do the legwork of introducing the original trio, so you have to come in with prior knowledge of them. And it, Eight is my... I feel like these movies fall into the same pattern as the other two trilogies for me, which is, like, the first one's interesting. The second one is, like, so fucking close to being just, like, a really great movie. It's almost frustrating, but it dances around points it doesn't intend to make. And those points are the interesting ones. Um, and then the third one just falls flat. Uh, I feel like the other two trilogies I felt the exact same way about. <laughs> just in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um but um, there are moments like when, uh, you know, Ray and Finn meet Han and talk about Luke, where you can see that the legacy of that original trio gets distorted in some sort of way. Um, they talk about, I also really like the moment where um, Luke asks Ray what the force is, and she's like, it's a Jedi power to compel people and lift rocks. And that's her earnest, 100% genuine answer. Um, and, uh, like, it's, it, I wanted more of that. I wanted more of, like, a distortion of legacy. And we'll talk about this when we talk about fucking Kylo Ren and Darth Vader. Um, and it just, I don't know, there wasn't enough. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, I liked, I agree with you, though. I really liked Luke in, in episode eight. I thought they did a really good job because he was a scamp. And Yoda got to be a scamp, and you mean that's what they are. They're scamps, scamps to the core. Yeah, one hundred percent. The droids. How do you feel about the droids? Uh, uh, I uh, I liked C three better than I've ever liked him before. R two, my king, and then I love BB eight, the orb who chooses violence. <laughs> BB eight. Uh, you know, I didn't get BB eight when. Um, these movies first came out, I was like, yeah, he's he's fine. Uh, but going back and revisiting them, I was like, oh, he's a cute little guy. I, I kind of love him. Um, and he also, yes, like constantly is like shooting people with coins or like electrocuting them. Um, he, he like tases Finn a couple times in the first one. Um, yeah, BB-8's great. Um, you know, I, I there's a bigger conversation to be had about personhood and droids in Star Wars, but um that's that's probably not going to be covered here <laughs> a conversation you could very much have about episode nine where c3 willingly erases his memories and it's never addressed and fucking ray and poe are still extremely mean to him. i can't i can't i wrote a whole essay about this and i we have to move on um how do you feel about the bad guys? Uh, you know, we got we got our Kylo Rens, we've got our General Huxes, but then we also have like kind of weirdos like Snoke and you know Captain Phasma of all people. Like, how do how do you feel about them? Okay, we're gonna have an extended conversation about Kylo Ren later, so I'll keep it mm-hmm. short. I thought he was fine. Uh, Hux is probably my favorite because uh, he he luxuriates in the evil. He really loves it. You know, he really just stews in it. I love that for him. Um, I found Snoke boring. I didn't really care about him. Uh, and Captain Phasma is played by Gwendolyn Christie, who I have a huge fucking crush on. So Apex Predator in my mind. What about you? Any any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Adam Driver really puts his whole heart into the performance, which I have to respect. Um, you know, uh, Hux, who is played by, oh, shoot, I forget, Domhnall Gleeson, who is actually in um, Ex Machina with Oscar Isaac, um, which is a deeply upsetting movie um yeah um i I think he does he does a a very good job of being the punching bag 
and I think, you know, he could have been a very, very interesting character, um, but then they just shot him in episode 9, so uh, we never got to see that play out. Uh, but I, I, I liked him a lot, um, you know, he's a very good, grumpy, uh, little petite fascist, um, and then, um, you know, like, Snoke, uh, I'm pretty glad he got, he died in episode 8, I thought that was, that was a very interesting choice, um, because, you know, I, he's just gonna be the Emperor again, um, and then Phasma, this is weird, but, like, uh, I read the whole novelization of Phasma, uh, back in, like, 2017, um, and, like, Phasma has, like, an out-of-universe, very interesting backstory, <laughs> um, like, that whole book is, like, one of the better, you know, extended-universe Star Wars books that I've read, and I, and I really liked that characterization, um, so, like, if you are, if you're, like, that kind of Star Wars nerd, go ahead and, like, look that book up, I, I recommend the audiobook, that's how I did it, but, um, yeah, Fa Phasma is a very interesting character not in the movies um in the movies she's you know just a shiny stormtrooper um you know we get a little bit of her you know in her and finn's antagonism in seven which i think is pretty good but aside from that you know i i think they don't use her enough um unfortunately like they just you know i i do wish that they had you know maybe kept her to be a more interesting character but you know sometimes you just need to have uh, a bad guy for the good guy to overcome so you know Sorry, sorry, Phasma. Wish you were, wish we were, were uh, in these movies more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about King Ian McDermott back to reprise his role as Palpatine. Back from the dead. Now, Layla, uh, in our summary, you said that he um, announced his return via podcast. Can you break that down? What do you, what do you think that means? In the opening crawl. It said the dead speak and that Palpatine like broadcast his intent for revenge. That's um, interesting, Layla. Uh, broadcast. <laughs> um, so in the marketing of this movie, episode nine, there was a broadcast with uh, with Palpatine in it. Do you remember where that broadcast originated? You wrote in our notes, tell Layla what the dead speak actually entailed. And when I see the phrase the dead speak... I vaguely remember something happening, but no details. So there oh, no. is an exclusive reveal where you get like this little mini trailer for episode nine um, that like, you know, it was able to you know reveal the fact it was like, you know, doing this actual broadcast where Palpatine was like, yes, I'm the emperor. I return, you know, Exegol is where I'm going to make my final order, blah, blah, blah. This trailer was revealed in the popular third-person shooter, Fortnite. This is where it, this is where fucking Fortnite becoming everybody's in Fortnite, like, originates, right? This is, like, now we have fucking Sasuke and Ariana Grande in Fortnite, and it's passe, but this was where it's like, okay, we're, like, using Fortnite as an advertising platform now, uh, and they, so, the dead speak, Palpatine reveals himself in Fortnite, it's... It's actually too on the nose. It's it can't we can't have a conversation about monopolies and corporations and and the mega metaverse that is that is less on the nose. I you did say in our last episodes that Star Wars has already been in Fortnite. Mhm. Mm I didn't, I didn't know. That's surprise. <laughs> Wow. Um, hmm. 
you know, that being said, I don't think Palpatine wouldn't play Fortnite. No, he's definitely a gamer. Like he's been, you know, it's been like what forty years since since uh the Battle of Endor. Like he's just chilling there. He's like regenerating. He's got attached to that big fucking Assassin's Creed arm. Like what's he got to do but just play Fortnite and hang out and have a cool time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of people having fun in this franchise, ah, <laughs> oh, Ian McDermott was having a. Capital B blast. He was just saying the dumbest shit and having a great time, and I have to respect that. I love you <laughs> in this role. Yeah, I, I kind of knew episode nine was going to be a slog when I when I was going in, um, but I was really looking forward to seeing him, and I was correct. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, he's just um, like, no, I made Snoke, and also I have this literally. cool... I literally cloned him. Look, I've got two more backups right here, right next to the Coca-Cola. There's Snoke tubes. There's just snoobs in his hideout. And then just like a crowd of people there to chant for whatever he wants. That's what you should do if you're an evil space wizard. Just fucking stunt on them. Have a whole fucking coliseum of evil cultists to chant and hype you up that is what you should do with your magic powers you yeah correct because luke also does that in episode nine when ray's like she goes to the poor island and she's like no i'm also gonna do what you did i'm coming i'm i'm never reconnecting to the force i'm hiding out here again and luke sticks his fucking ghost arm out of the flames to catch his own lightsaber and it's like you bitch no you're not I, lo- I too would haunt Porg Island and just goof on bitches that came there to be hermits. That sounds great. Yoda's doing that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd be in good company. Um, Justice for Rose Tico is, is the name of this section. So, I'm an aspiring author. Uh, I, I would say you're a published author. I, I have a couple pieces published, but I'm I'm trying to get like novels published, and I ha- I'm I'm in the middle of working on a new outline for a novel, and I had to go back and be like, oh, I need I need somebody who like at, at age fifty, I I need a Vietnamese woman at age, who's going to be about age fifty. So if this book becomes a movie, I can ask Kelly Marie Tran to be in it. Um, and I'm probably just going to do that for every book I try to get published because uh, I love Kelly Marie Chan so much and she deserves so much better, um, you know, even aside from like the fucking miserable racist, um, you know, trolling that she got for, for just being cast and being an important character in episode eight. You know, the, the the way that they retcon her out of episode nine is just like, oh, the general asked me to look at some Star Destroyers or whatever, so I'm just not going to be here really. It's just embarrassing i don't you know i don't know if it's i don't know if it's just to lay all of the rewrites at the feet of jj abrams but we're going to do that um so mr abrams deserves so much so much shit for taking kelly marie chan out out of um out of the trilogy um and um you know, Rose Tico for the brief moments that she's in is really fun. You know, we get her bubbling over Finn and how excited she is to meet a resistance leader. And we see her arc of like teaching Finn about like why the resistance matters. And like, you know, she, she sacrificed her sister and even her sister's memento because she is so dedicated to the cause. And like, she has a pretty good character arc arc, and her like acting performance is very solid. And she like has a very convincing like love of Finn. 
Um, if you have your agent, just uh, <laughs> Miss Tron, just like send me your agent's number. I'm gonna keep you when I when I get published. Um, I'll I'll send them an email for sure, 100. percent She gets to deliver one of the like like key themes of episode eight which is you're not going to beat the first order by fighting what you hate you'll do it by protecting what you love and then she's completely written out of episode nine it's wild it's 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 absolutely strange um i am willing to lay this at the feet of both jj abrams and colin trevorrow who um you can tell that there's pieces of his treatment still in episode nine um, which are uh, uh, Colin Trevorrow's script, um, if the one that leaked is true, is accurate. Um, he was setting up uh, a Poe and Ray romance, which I don't, like, hate the idea of in theory, um, except for the fact that they only meet for the first time in episode, at the end of episode eight. The last, like, two minutes, yeah. Buck wild to have that happen with mm. your fucking trio that you're setting up that the two components of the trio are only bridged by the third and only meet for real at the end of episode of their second movie unhinged but um the the uh fighting or or poe and ray fight a little bit in the beginning of the first like 30 minutes of episode nine you could tell that was like there to set up a romantic tension uh, at least from me, a romance connoisseur who can see an enemies to lover line from, you know, three miles away uh, or three parsecs away if we want to stay in universe. There we go. Um, do you remember the other movie that we've watched that Colin Trevorrow directed? Yeah, Jurassic World? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not surprised that he had some questionable um, ideas for the Star Wars movie. Yeah, so, you know, on, uh, I'll link the Jenny Nicholson video with his treatment because it's a lot. Um, but also, J.J. Uh, Abrams directed, because I was looking at what, because uh, episodes seven and nine are J.J. Abrams, eight is Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, Knives Out. That's, if you if you want to watch another Ryan Johnson, that's your that's your go-to. Uh, Knives Out's a really good movie. I really like it. I highly recommend it. Um J.J. Abrams directed the Star Trek movie with Chris Pine in it, which I did go see in theaters. And I don't remember much of it. Um, I do remember shedding one manly tear at the scene where Spock dies. Um, Spoiler for a 10-year-old movie, I guess. But yeah, it is also, what I do remember of it, it is is a very self-serious adaptation of Star Trek. Um, and we'll talk about this again later. These are very self-serious Star Wars movies, and I think that plays to their detriment. Um, I think 8 was the most, like, fun to watch. Um, so, yes, we will lay a lot of the blame for what happened to Rose Tico at J.J. Abrams' feet because she deserved so much more. Um, she had a huge part in 8, in eight and I was I missed her sorely in, uh, in Episode 9. Um, how do you feel about Lando coming back? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's, he's there. I mean, like, if we're going to get all the cool callbacks, like, we might as well, like, have him. But, like, you know, I don't think it really served a purpose besides just, like, oh, we need somebody who's going to take over for Carrie Fisher. I mean, Billy D. Williams is, is really cool. Um, but, like, you know, I don't think they really gave him enough. And, I mean, there's, like, a lot of speculation that he, his character... It seems like they're setting up a thing between his character and the new character that's introduced in Nine, uh, Jana. It seems to imply that he might be like her dad, which is 
like pretty stupid but um you know it's not made explicit so i can't really criticize it but like you know i'm, I'm glad he's back he seemed like he was having a good time uh but yeah i don't, I don't think his character was was necessary really but i think that's probably a criticism you could make of like any of these callback characters yeah i'll agree with that he seemed like he was having fun he was a pleasure to have on screen you know that was it's fine um and then we're here at our our side characters which are maz zori janna um and anybody else you feel like deserves to be called out yeah i mean maskanada is great um anybody who's like i want to fuck chewbacca like that rules 100 percent um as you uh, make a note of uh, voice by Lupita Nyong'o, who, you know, fucking incredible actress. Uh, so another person that I'd like to put in, in you know, movies that my media gets made into. Um, yeah, I mean, I think she's, she's probably the most interesting of all these characters, these side characters. Um, Zori, like you said, is is just a, a Power Ranger. And, and Janna is, you know... Finn, they wanted, they had to take Rose Tico out, so they had to give Finn a new girlfriend. So they're like, let's have somebody with the exact same backstory as Finn be here. And like, I like Jana. I think she's a cool character. Um, if if it was divorced from the Finn relationship, I think she would be much stronger. Like, I think it's really cool to be like, oh yeah, you know, there's a person who you know crashed their own star destroyer and like led a led a band of stormtroopers, um, ex stormtroopers to you know uh, in in this revolt, and now they like ride horses and like have cool laser bows or not even laser bows, they're just like straight up like bows and arrows. She's taken out like ships and you know uh, stormtroopers with them on that like cool fight in episode nine uh, on the deck of the the star destroyer, which is like one of my favorite parts in that difficult to get through movie. Um, uh, and like she like rides horses like she's really cool uh but again the way that they introduce her as like a like a foil or a partner for finn is just the least interesting thing you could do so uh, i think she got short shrift sorry jana yeah uh maz is my favorite and she's the best and i as you said respect anybody who wants to fuck chewbacca <laughs> immensely just where's my boyfriend is <laughs> an iconic line i love it very much there's also a line um that my my partner pointed out um where <laughs> ray finds luke's lightsaber in maz's like tavern um and she's like where did you get this and maz is like that's a story for another time anyway and, and my wife is like oh she fucked luke skywalker <laughs> yeah, for, for sure you know what i respect back that's <laughs> awesome um so yeah those are our characters can you think of anyone anyone else who deserves a, a shout before we move on i like the sheep things and the broom boy broom the big boy's sheep cool. oh the like with the big ears yeah 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 yeah. uh and f9 yeah those are cool um shout out to the what do you call the wrath tars the weird like oh yeah goobly aliens like i you I think I wanted a lot more uh, monsters in these movies, and we really didn't get any, but Rathars are the weird fucking <laughs> aliens that roll around. <laughs> um, if, so if Sonic fucked a beholder, that's what a Rathar is, and I love it. And Han Solo straight up feeds a dude to him. <laughs> yeah, Very good. good. Okay, great. Um, so now we're free to move on to asking the question, Aaron, are these good Star Wars sequels? Good is such a loaded word. <laughs> Like, are they movies that I enjoyed? Largely, yeah. Two out of three, pretty good. 
are they do they have any meaningful conversation with the themes and you know interests of the star wars franchise like only eight really does that um and you know it doesn't hit it all the time but it is trying to have a conversation about what star wars is which i i like um but otherwise it doesn't really follow up on you know what what star wars is interested in which is like a conversation between you know you know light and dark and you know here pretty basic hero's journey stuff like it's all kind of the same unfortunately um but like we'll we'll talk about this as we talk about like how they do not put in the work to bring new people in but like these movies were just going to happen like it's sort of like you know we can't say you know they shouldn't have made these sequel movies because it's sort of like saying oh well this iceberg shouldn't have flattened the midwest right it is the inertia of the disney corporation at this point is so massive and you know unstoppable that like of course they were going to make these star wars movies and you know they you know the first one made a billion dollars and the next two made like you know over 500 mil each so like you know are they good movies? Like, eh, it doesn't matter. We live in turbo capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have been watching a lot of a YouTube channel called Defunct Land, which talks a lot about, like, theme parks, um, especially bygone theme parks. And um, I would recommend people watch the episode on Epcot because it really illustrates Walt Disney's... Um, corporatist expansion efforts in a way that I never quite understood before in terms of like the man himself and the legacy he set up for um, the Disney company. Um, And secondary to that, if you fall into a wormhole like I did, the one about the Nickelodeon hotel really illustrates like Nickelodeon's um, initial efforts to kind of avoid that corporatism but it really it it just sets up the you know we talked a little bit about the disney media monopoly um last episode but it really just sets up the fact that walt disney himself set up this trajectory for the company george lucas uh in an interview said there would never be an episode seven through nine because the movies were specifically about the skywalkers and that legacy um and he didn't see them expanding beyond that he actually disagreed with most of the expanded universe content at the time um, but as you said, Disney would not acquire Lucasfilm without intending to make money off of Star Wars, which means there's gonna be another, you know, like, that's it. Um, but it, they, they just take themselves way too seriously. And I can illustrate that in episode five, Luke is getting what I called an intervention from Yoda and Obi-Wan when he is debating kind of like the power of the force and how he could use it. And he is standing and he's leaning on whatever spaceship he's fucking leaning on at the time. And the light on him is cast in almost like a perfect black and white split down the middle of his face. It is like a blatant metaphor for he's being pulled between the light and the dark. This happens three times that I could catch in the sequel trilogy. Uh, the first time is Kylo Ren when he's about to kill Han Solo. It is a very subtle red and blue fill light on both sides of his face. There's another part where he's flying um, in, I think, a TIE fighter. And he shoots at 
Leia's ship and a shadow very subtly falls over his face. And there's another moment that happens with Rey. But even the lighting is just so subtle that it took me, a person who pays attention to that kind of stuff, like, I had to catch it. Yeah. Um. What other stuff did you want more of from these movies? Uh, my biggest things... Uh, we have the other you know, trio having fun together, obviously. They just don't get to have fun, which is not fun to watch them not have fun. Uh, Force-sensitive Finn and Leia, sh- I-, I wish we had gotten more of, because Leia, clearly Force-sensitive. Finn, also clearly Force-sensitive. Um, I wish they had gotten more time to explore that, especially considering Leia took such a mentorship role with Poe. I would have liked to see that, and Rey. I would have liked to see that with Finn also, um, exploring maybe his force sensitivity and what that means to him, especially as a former stormtrooper. Um, and then I think you and I both agree on Rose Tico. Do you want to talk more about uh, your points on here? Yeah, I mean, like you said, like you know, if if they had given Kelly Marie Chan any more screen time in nine, that would have been great. Um, uh, I think Finn's character arc also ends in eight. It really doesn't, he doesn't change at all in nine. I guess he, his force powers get more developed, but like, that's really it. He never really does anything like his character doesn't change at all. He he doesn't gain any new opinions or, or about the world or, or, you know, his place in it. He's just sort of like, I'm going to be here. Um, and that's a disappointment. Uh, more space monsters. I wish, um, you know, like, like the prequels get a lot of shit. They got some of my favorite space monsters in them. Uh, I, I desperately wish we had more, um, space monsters for sure. Uh, and then just like uh, bringing it back to the fucking notion that bloodline is equal to your force power. Like that's really boring and, and I hate it. And, you know, Star Wars, even in The Mandalorian, right? Uh, spoilers for The Mandalorian, but Luke Skywalker shows up at the end of The Mandalorian, and, like, it's like, oh, well, only Luke could have shown up to train, you know, Grogu, because there's no other important people, you know, it, it's always, always about the Skywalkers, and I just, I want to get away from the Skywalkers, um, and that's what, you know, the, the High Republic stuff is doing. Um, I listened to about half of one of the new High Republic books, and weirdly, the, um, the sound effects in the audiobook turned me off of it, um, <laughs> which was very strange. Um, but like they were trying a bunch of new weird shit with, um, you know, the the Jedi and you know their new enemy. Um, so I am very excited to see what the High Republic stuff turns into. I'm I gotta start reading more of those because I'm interested to see what they do. But um, yeah, just disappointed with the the clinging to to the old stuff. Um, yeah, I think you and I both liked the uh, uh, big titty slugs that Luke milks <laughs> in episode eight. Those were yeah. great. <laughs> Luke just like lets their blue milk spill over his beard. He just like winks at Ray and she's just like, you are a gross old man. <laughs> but like, yeah, I truly wish we had so much more of like that in in especially episode nine. Just like, you know, if you're going to include Luke, yeah, yeah, make him make him do weird shit. I think it's great. <laughs> it's a good time um but yeah uh you know we talked a little bit about earlier how like you know a lot of our opinions on the original trio are rooted in our understanding of the original three films because or six films because we watched them um who in the fact that like these movies do no legwork to introduce people to luke han leia chewie or palpatine for that matter 
uh, in the fact that they also don't seem to have an interest in explaining the world at all. Like, okay, the Republic got destroyed. What's the Republic? Um, who is the audience for these movies? And how do you introduce somebody new to the universe at this point? The problem is that, like, they're for us. Like, I guess not not even for us, but, like, people who are slightly older than us than, like, either saw the prequels or saw the original movies and, like, wanted to get back there. I mean, I hate to fucking bring this up literally every episode, but this is just what happens when we put all of our creative energy and marketing power into franchises. We get the expectation, we build it in, that you're going to be like, oh, okay, you are coming in with a level of institutional knowledge already that, you know, you don't, we don't need to explain to you so we can just jump right in. It is, right, like, in, when you are making a new movie or writing a new book, that is that is a standalone or the first in a series. You have to do a bunch of world building and explaining and and you know kind of do, doing the hard work of being like this is what this world is set up to be. But when you have this franchisation that happens, you know most notably with Marvel, but you know also with Star Wars. You know DC is trying it. Fucking the Monster Verse is trying it. Um, but like when you assume that your audience is already going to have this stuff, you alienate the other part of your audiences, which is to say anybody who doesn't give a shit about that until their entry point. And like, it is, it is one thing to be like, okay, you know, this is our event. We had four movies that are going to lead up into the, the Avengers and it's a big crossover. Uh, and that's cool. It's another thing to be like, okay, so Spider-Man, you know, no way home is actually basically Avengers like 23, um, and like, we're just going to assume you have enough institutional knowledge to, you know, roll with that. Like you're going to care when fucking Mysterio or whatever the fuck shows or you know, Andrew Garfield, I guess he was in the new one. Like that's going to mean something to you because not only have you seen all the other Marvel Spider-Man movies, but you've also seen the amazing Spider-Man movies. And it's just like, oh, Tobey Maguire's in there too. So it also assumes you saw yeah. the Tobey Maguire trilogy. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just like, that's not going to mean anything to me if I haven't seen all that shit. I'm just going to be like, I guess there's other Spider-Men. All right. Um, and this Star Wars has the same problem here in these ones, where it's just like, you are going to give a shit when Han Solo walks in uh, with the big furry carpet man. Um, like, if you're a kid watching that, it's going to be like, okay, there's an old guy and a fucked up teddy bear. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, all right sure i'm not sure why the music's swelling and this is like a big fucking huge deal but whatever and like you know part of that's just like star wars you know ultimately is a franchise for kids so it, you know they they're probably more willing to let give these movies slack than than we are but like okay, i think you're 100 percent right okay but that's the thing right so you've said that before i was re-listening to the old episodes and you said that was a point we brought up before is that that these are movies for kids i don't think these are though these, this trilogy specifically, I think, forgets that completely. No, Because you're right. it is so self-serious. There's so much straight-up fucking murder. Murder everywhere. Um, and it, like, doesn't want to have any fun. So the whole time, you know, there was a moment where I was thinking about these movies, and I was like, okay, well, these are movies for kids. And I really thought about it, and I was like, no, I... I could, I have a 15 year old brother, 16, sorry, happy birthday. Uh, I could not picture taking my brother to a Star War at this point. I would, I would, I think he'd have fun watching episodes like four through six. And then maybe he's in his very self serious, he's in his JJ Abrams face. He's in his very like self serious teenage <laughs> That's face. So mean. 
And he's he's never gonna listen to this. So he uh so he's like very into movies that make sense. I took him to see Fast Nine, and he was like, "It was too convenient." I was like, ah, <laughs> "Welcome to storytelling, enough- bud." <laughs> I was like, "You don't have enough real world pain yet." <laughs> <laughs> to to uh, realize that sometimes watching stupid things is fun, but I was I couldn't even imagine taking him to to like a star a showing of a Star Wars sequel film because it's not fun. Like there's just you know like I'm, there's like two cool monsters and you have to wait slog through a two and a half hour movie full of things that you need to know from another six movies and possibly some novelizations and maybe some video games to even remotely understand it didn't even mention midi-chlorians which as stupid as i think midi-chlorians are they're fun i think it's fun that luke skywalker has bugs in him (laughs) i mean i i don't like midi-chlorians because it turns star wars into like a racial purity test that's Um, true but like no i think you're right like and it comes back to the point that like this is all just to make money, which I wish we could stop coming back to that. But like, you know, they're trying to sell a product to people who will pay for it and will indoctrinate their children into this cult of nostalgia. So like they'll associate going to see these movies that they didn't really care about with having a fun time with their parents. So that way when they grow up and have kids, they'll also do that. Um, But like, yeah, like these, I mean, to be fair, original star Wars is also a very violent movie. A man gets his arm cut off with a sword in the first, you know, hour and there's blood and like, you know, People die a lot in in Star Wars, you know. Maybe 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 we have to reevaluate the the concept that Star Wars is for kids because it's really not. <laughs> I think the I think well to be fair, I think the standards for kids content were a lot looser in the seventies. That's fair. Um, as a child, I was exposed to a lot of violence in kids content. Um, the the qualifications got a lot more strict, especially now. But um, yeah, you're right. It, it just. And the interesting thing about these movies is that I looked at the box office numbers just out of curiosity. The first movie really raked it in. Like, truly, I think $2 billion worldwide. Um, and then it dropped precipitously for episodes 8 and 9. So I, it just made me wonder. Like, that's what brought about this question is, like, who... They alienated their original base. They alienated their fringe base. And they didn't do work to bring new people in. And the movies just... I don't know, they were too self-serious to be, like, fun for casual people to walk into the theater. So, I don't know. It was just an odd choice, and it it made me wonder. And I think that you were right to go on, you know. I'm glad I'm not the only one going on tangents about the corporatization of media on this podcast. Um, Especially us two as, like, independent creatives who, like, see this machine up close a lot. It's tough. It's tough to watch, because I wish... It would be... um, it, it would be fun. different if they were giving us money. I Listen, at any point, we, we Mortified will turn into a Disney shill account. That is 100% fine with me. I have no morals. I want to pay rent, and I'd rather pay it on a very big mansion. We're like that old fucking meme that's just like, for $8,000 a month, I will stop. <laughs> Buy my silence permanently. <laughs> That's what it's going to take, Disney. $10,000 a month accounted for inflation. Please let's uh, talk. Hit, you know? hit us up. <clears throat> hit us up. Uh, Mortifypod at gmail.com. But um, yeah, I think you're completely right. And, and it just, it, that was that was what confounded me the entire time I was watching this. It was just, who the fuck is this for? Because, um, um, 
you you mentioned in your notes you would not show this trilogy to your kids, which is very. That's funny. mostly because um I don't want to watch episode nine more than I have to, <laughs> and if I do, if I show them the first three, they'll the first two they'll want to watch the third, and I'll be like, oh, that's not a real movie, sorry. That's true, and I stumbled into this through playing Kodor, which <laughs> has mm. been completely retconned at this point, even though. Yeah. Um, it has just been re-released, and I do want to play the um, the Switch remaster. Um, but yeah, all right. Do you want to talk about Kylo Ren's mask? Yeah, um, I I think just it's worth talking about because we brought it up in our notes. But like, it shows it the the journey that Mister Ren's mask takes um, really shows that like nobody knew what the hell was going on with the production of these movies, or at least the you know the plotting of them, because like. We get the cool, you know, He's he wants to be Darth Vader. He has this cool mask that make, makes his voice all, you know, glitchy. And and then, like, you know, it's a big the- deal when he takes it off to talk to Rey and he becomes instantly vulnerable and she's able to, like, see his insecurities. And then, you know, episode eight, you know, destroy the past, you know, kill it if you have to. He breaks the mask and it's like we're, we're getting rid of all that shit from the past. We're doing something new. Uh, and episode nine, they're like, no, we're not. We're <laughs> going back to the past. We're rebuilding it. Mask is back. Um, but yeah, I, his, his mask is, you know, a very weird, weird thing. Um, but do you have notes on the shape of Kylo, uh, as you did with Mr. Vader? You know what? Let me look at it right now. Cause I, I kind of, I couldn't take Kylo Ren seriously. So <laughs> let me, okay. Let's see. Images. Kylo Ren's mask. Um, I think there is something to be said about that his mushroom head is less um, floppy and his chin kind of points is a little bit pointier. I think he is less friend-shaped by by a wide enough margin that this mask does actually look like it could belong to an evil person and not an extremely (laughs) boopable. Uh, idiot. Um, so yeah, uh, I agree with you in the sense that, um, or hold on. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought rebuilding the mask was extremely stupid. Um, but it did lead to one of my favorite exchanges in episode nine, which is Kylo Ren walks in (laughs) and he, he calls out Hux for not liking his mask which is extremely petty. <laughs> He's like, I sense unease about my hot new look, General Hux. Do you have something to say? And Hux is like, no, it's a mask. You're fine, whatever. And the lady next to him is like, well, I like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I loved that. that. It was great. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, but speaking of Kylo Ren's mask, um, my biggest beef with Kylo Ren um is that it feels like these movies fundamentally misunderstand Darth Vader um in like a huge huge way so i i know what you've written in your notes but can you walk us through your thought process because i think i think i know what you're getting at but i want to hear it so i'm sure right so um as we said 10 10 and 8 months ago, respectively, we did um, watch the first six movies, so, like, we're pretty fresh on them. Darth Vader is not the embodiment of evil. Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker, 
who was so frustrated by the inaction of the Jedi Order, something Luke addresses in Episode 8 when he is talking to Rey, um, that he turned against the machine that found him a threat for being so unpredictable um, in order to use the dark side of the Force to save his wife and children after watching his mother die of the same inaction. Um, and then episodes four through six, Darth Vader is re not quite redeemed, but is apologetic to his son at the end and is so remorseful that he gets to come back as a Force ghost with the other quote-unquote good Jedi. He's not like a lost, you know, in for Force purgatory for the rest of the time. Like, he is, he is a creature driven to the dark side by a fundamental love for his family and frustration against the inaction of the Jedi Order. So it is it is insane to me that the sequel trilogy takes him at a complete surface level as simply Darth Vader the embodiment of all evil. Um and I am there is a th again Episode 8 gets so close. So fucking close to the point. Pisses me off. I think that if you really wanted to make a villain out of Snoke, and if you really wanted Kylo Ren to have, like, a, a an emotional arc that is satisfying, um, Kylo Ren would have had a much better reason to kill Snoke if he found out that Snoke was manipulating his grandfather's legacy to control him for the same reason that the Jedi Order was trying to control his grandfather, which is to say he is too innately powerful and too unpredictable. And him turning against Snoke at the last moment and flipping to the good side in order to avenge his father and protect his mother would have been a much more satisfying and complete fulfillment of Darth Vader's legacy than literally anything else that happened to Kylo Ren in these films. I think you're 100% correct. Um, the problem with that is that it would force the sequels to at all acknowledge the existence of the prequels. Um, there is one time in the entire sequel trilogy that they even pay homage to the fact that the Jedi Order existed before the Republic, and that is in Episode Eight when Luke was like, "The Jedi actually sucked," um, and they never t reference the prequels ever again. They always use Darth Vader as like the big scary bad guy, um, and I think that's largely because that's how people or you know whoever wrote these movies thinks that fans want to remember Darth Vader. They don't want to think about Darth Vader as you know Hayden Christensen with complex uh, you know emotions and like the actual like interesting characterization that happened in the prequels they don't want to they you know they're like oh well if we talk about how darth vader actually you know had motivations and feelings before he became darth vader they'll think about oh i hate sand it's you know coarse and rough and gets anywhere or whatever and they're gonna shit on this movie they are so afraid of bringing up the good ideas in the prequels um and they just go back to this, you know, literally the mask of Vader being like, this is all Darth Vader was, was a big, scary bad guy. It's Which, as we've discussed. He's not. Discussed. He's friend-shaped <laughs> for a reason. James. Um, I don't know what J.J. Abrams' first name is. J Jimmy James Abrams. 
<laughs> Jimmy John Abrams, how dare you do this to Darth Vader's legacy? Um, actually, episode nine does acknowledge the existence of the prequels. Um, uh, how so? Because when Ray is on the ground saying "Be with me," uh, Hayden Christensen oh. does get one line. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, you're you're yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. So <laughs> you got me you there. <laughs> thank you for um actualing me about Star Wars. Now I can die. My, I just <laughs> it felt right as a woman that I no, should get. You know this what? One this jab. is this is reparations. <laughs> this is nerd reparations. Absolutely. Um, and also thank you for saying Hayden Christensen's name while I was about to look it up because I was about to call him Hans Christian Anderson again. <laughs> Hans Christian Anderson Sky- Star Wars Skywalker. <laughs> uh. that, is not, that is not the first time I would have done that on this show, which, <laughs> which is terrible. Um, we need yeah. to bring this podcast to an end while we're deteriorating. <laughs> No, what we are doing is we're becoming the same person. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but our notes are conflating. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading Aaron's notes for episode seven when Ray wouldn't take BB-8 and we both wrote verbatim, Ray, he's just a little guy. <laughs> In our and defense, both- he is just a little guy. <laughs> In our arcane notes, we did both our first thought upon Jace being added to the council. Both of us immediately went, um, why would you have a council with an even amount of votes? (laughs) It just, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Christ, we're awful. Um, Aaron, after this discussion that we've had, how seriously should Star Wars content take itself? only as seriously as it needs to be which is to say basically never (laughs) correct more fun in my star wars please wait there is one instance in which star wars does need to take itself more seriously and that is in its depiction of fascism um maybe maybe still sell less stormtrooper merch unironically (laughs) oh yeah. Star Wars has always been about opposing imperialism and killing Nazis. We we should probably not make the Nazis look cool. Uh but other than that, Star Wars should be fun. Wow. And killing is... killing Nazis should be fun, to be fair. This is really making me uncomfortable about my crush on Captain Phasma now. Oh, well, <laughs> Layla's cancel. Whoopsie doops. Uh, what can I say? I love a girl Just, boss. Okay, well, if you can read, if you want to read the Phasma novel, we could talk about how imperialism co-ops, uh, uh, you know, various people's, um, you know, personhood and motivations and turns them into a weapon um, to be used against, uh, you know, other individuals, but that's that's a story for another time uh, okay mortified galaxy. mortified listeners listen hear me out tell your go. fucking friends tell your friends about this stupid fucking podcast that we do so that we can open up a patreon and then one day as a patron reward we will release a bonus minisode where we talk about the captain phasma novel or whatever the fuck else you want to pay us to read we'll do it as we've said we are shills we grew up broke we are millennials we have nothing. Sell but your but for one dollar a month, we could, I we, could, you not. we could eventually grow to be grandparents of Emperor Palpatine too. So Lord. Okay. Well, there's a prophecy. <laughs> uh, oh Boise, Idaho. Oh, key, dokey. 
Um, it. What's our hotline prompt? If you all were going to make a new Star Wars trilogy, uh, why don't you describe to us what that Star Wars trilogy would look like, which characters it would focus on, and um, how you would make it fun and anti-fascist. Alternatively, you can tell us about what your favorite Star Wars novel is and why we should read it, because I am desperate for Star Wars content that I enjoy. Um... And if you want to at me on Twitter directly, you can also send me fanfiction. Um, I will also read that. Oh, speaking of fanfiction. Uh, oh, boy! <laughs> uh, if, you know, if you didn't like the the end of uh, The Rise of Skywalker, I did write uh, 25,000 words of Star Wars fanfiction uh, talking about um, how I would fix The Rise of Skywalker. It's not done, um, but... Uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, I guess, if you want to read uh, How We Win, uh, Episode 9 Revised by Aaron Voigt. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, other yeah. than your fanfic. <laughs> but where can people find you on the internet, Aaron? You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about health policy and tabletop RPGs. You can listen to the other podcasts I do at the bible boys uh actually it ended up because of the snowstorm in virginia um me and josh talked about constantine last week so this week we're going to talk about uh the pray away documentary um and that will be something uh so if you want to learn about conversion therapy hit us up. and i have invited myself onto the the bible boys um at some point so yes we will have our crossover episode that has been in the works for many many months now uh definitely on our list gonna talk about the christianization of kievan rus um which is my favorite shit to talk about (laughs) very excited for that that uh episode Uh, layla where can people find you on the internet at l-e-y-l-s-e-s on tumblr twitter and i guess instagram again i think instagram changed something in their um algo i've gotten like 20 followers just in the last week I have not posted since June, um, but I might be using that platform again because I'm a corporate chill and I like attention. Um, you can, I don't know what I'm writing about this month, um, but I am finally thumbnailing my webcomic again. So get ready to see Astral Hearts. Um, if you like uh, Anastasia, Full Metal Alchemist, and Kingdom Hearts, You'll probably like my webcomic. It's about a very sad prince who accidentally tears himself in half um, via magic and then has to figure out how to fix um, both the world that he and uh, a teenager have accidentally ruptured and uh, how to be less of a reclusive sad sack while his friends try desperately to help him. Um... So yeah, that'll be a great time. Um, can't wait to republish that. <laughs> Very excited for the return of Astral Heart. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, as we say goodbye to the galaxy far, far away, how should our listeners uh, look back on these memories uh, that we've had with them? The garbage will do. The garbage will do. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.